2: Fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred. This is episode 232 brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50 to get a sweet ass uh, bonus when you get, sign up for an account and you make your first deposit. We thank uh, betonline for being a part of our company and our podcast for so long. It is Father's Day 2021, Sunday. June twentieth, and uh we are back. Um, I'm with my friend Heather. Heather, what's happening?
0: Nothing, what's up? Hello, happy Sunday.
2: Big show today. We got a yeah. lot of topics, got a lot of topics to discuss. Um, just a lot of off-season stuff going on. We're gonna continue these programs every week. Uh, but we do have a huge guest and and one of our favorite uh hockey podcasts as hockey podcast junkies that we are, we have um, Tim. Warsberger from the uh dropping the gloves hockey podcast joining us later on in the second hour we'll talk to him about everything Bruins as he's a diehard fan so and uh and he and he does a podcast with John Scott which is it's a fantastic program and I highly recommend it very exciting I'm very excited to have Tim on I do want to mention before we talk about our show sponsor that we're, if you're interested in writing at the blackandgoldhockey.com website, please uh, send us an email blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Uh, tell us if you want to write a blog for us, you want to do podcasts, you want to do uh, editing, anything. We're looking for many people to fill many roles uh, this off season, and we're willing to train. So if you want to be a part of this growing team, please reach out. Uh, With that being said, we do have to talk about show sponsor, betonline.ag. Betonline.ag has the fastest and easiest ways to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA Golf, the NHL Hockey, and your UFC and MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before before the next baseball pitch or or next bar-down goal in hockey, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sideline anymore, folks. Get in all the action at BenOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. Don't forget to use that code CLNS50 to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Heather, we need to talk about some Bruins. We're doing this two weeks in a row, and I love it. Um, So why don't we get in with some birthday celebrations, huh?
0: Yeah. So first I just want to say happy seventh birthday to Eric, the Viking, my son, Eric, um, any of you who have listened to us for a long time may have heard him every now and then he likes to pop in, make funny faces at Mark and nod his head or whatever, stick his tongue out, uh, a little hockey player, just a mite himself, but, uh, carrying on the tradition his brother played, you know, for a while and, uh, no happy birthday to him. His birthday's on Tuesday. Can't believe you're going to be seven. It's crazy how quick kids, uh, get big
2: yeah Yeah. happy birthday eric my i call him the iraqian because eric iraq sounds the same and i also have a guy that i work with that's named eric and i call him the iraqian because he's like a little (laughs) terrorist (laughs) but anyway that's nice nice
0: (laughs) hey thanks for alienating any (laughs) iranian listeners yeah no but happy birthday to eric june baby's rule as we always chant in our house because there's two of us compared to the other two who are not June babies. But they he's not the only one who had a birthday coming up. We had a couple birthdays in the Bruins world this week, too. I know Bruins, the shoe Bruins legends, Greg McKegg and Derek Sanderson. So happy birthday. Um, if you don't love Derek Sanderson, you cannot be a Bruins fan. I don't know what is wrong with you uh, if you don't just generally love that dude because he's just as awesome from the crazy days to like now he's older and sober and just like more, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, just a fun dude, legend. And uh, I mean, Greg McKegg, thanks for coming on board for the year, buddy, just to kind of help fill up some spaces.
2: Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek Sanderson, an absolute legend. One of the best um, uh, four checkers I've ever seen in my life. The guy could get so close to the puck by sweeping. Uh, trying to get the, the puck away from a, a puck carrier but get so close to the ice that his face would, would, would almost get like uh cut by these uh sharp skates. So uh and he was the like almost like the original Playboy of Boston back in the Hell day. He was. So and uh you're hanging out with uh with uh what's his name? Joe Namath I was gonna say Joe Montana. No. <laughs> Montana. I
0: forgot. I'm like, what football player? What are you talking about? I was just thinking how he literally partied everywhere. He's like a rock star. I'm like, I don't know, football player. I'm sure he partied with many football players.
2: <laughs> so, all right, football's stupid. Yeah. So let's get back to hockey.
0: No, uh, they, they were party boys, though. Playboys and party boys in the epitome
2: of rock Speaking but, Speaking of party boys, yeah. 10 years ago, on the 15th of June, this past week, the Boston Bruins raised the Stanley cup for the sixth time. I had to look back.
0: That scares me. (laughs) I had to look back.
2: (laughs) It's count how many. Um, Yeah. But uh, it was a great, great day. I got to see the cup for the first time raised by my beloved Boston Bruins. And the day after I get a Stanley cup tattoo, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, one of those, one of those times in Boston Bruins history that you really cherish. Um, And I'll admit it, uh, that day I was pretty intoxicated with a bunch of my friends um, at a bar. And uh, I will say that I cried like a little girl. I was going to say, where
0: where were you when we won? Because we were together when we won the, we beat Tampa for the- Tampa Bay, yeah. Yeah, so we were together at the club. But where were you when we won game seven
2: against Uh, Vancouver? I was at the club. Yeah, you were there
0: yeah. again. But I, yeah. I was at home at my apartment and I am not ashamed to say that I cried. It was like I couldn't breathe like the last 30 seconds of that game. I just it was the same when we were at the club, even for the Tampa game, right? And just it was craziness. And it was like don't don't no until it happened. But I we're a little I, too young to have seen the, you know,
2: legends like all you know
0: them. But um yeah man i cried like a
2: fricket like i -I 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 actually had friends of mine that were at home watching the game and at the third period when they knew that there was a good chance that this could happen they actually left their house just to come down to the club and see me and the expression on my face if and when they did win it and and they did and And I was just hugging everybody. It was awesome. It was almost like I was raising it myself. It was just an amazing experience. And uh, hopefully it happens again soon. Um, You know.
0: Uh, We, uh, I had, People texting me, like going in, like, oh my God, oh my God, and calling like after. And I remember people wooing outside, just like random wooing of people from houses and stuff. And I mean, it was kind of late, you know what I mean? <laughs> and people yeah. wooing, but the next day I worked at a tech school and the next day, because I'm the I'm like the Bruins teacher. We had like the Bruins Shrine, whatever it was a thing. And I came in and I remember my machine tech kids who are fucking 30 now at this point, you know, they had milled me a little Stanley cup with Miss Ingerson on it nice have it to this day and it was like that was thing but even crazier was the parade do you went in i couldn't get i mean i was lucky i got kind of stuck towards north station where it started and stuff but like i had
2: passed on the parade
0: oh my god we it was pandemonium i it was so fun and just so crazy um sebastian who is now more close to Zedano chara's size and then there was like a cutout and he loved you you know what i mean so yeah the picture there and a, f- a friend of ours, Lisa, she's, like, texting me pictures because they were further down, like, a picture of Mike Ryder hanging over the side, just, like, perfect, right there, you know, like, oh, there, yeah. and I was so happy, and Mark Savard was right there on our side when they first came out, even though, obviously, he didn't get to actually play with them, I was so happy that he got to be with them, but that legendary, This someone tweeted the picture, the receipt of the legendary, like, Foxwood oh script, yeah. $150,000 yeah. yeah. bill,
2: that's awesome. And, and was somebody, somebody pointed out that, that you got 150 bud lights. Who was the asshole that ordered two Coors lights? <laughs>
0: yeah, like that's that. Yeah, someone said something like Amstel light and who ordered <laughs> yeah, who ordered the whatever. Like that's just funny. Like that's they partied hard, hard, yes. hard. And the yes, city partied did. hard. And of all the championships that were won, I think besides maybe the Red Sox winning the world championship for the first time, the Bruins raising that cup created just eight buzz in this town that like uh regardless of how everyone always says oh Boston's so spoiled yeah well the first like 30 years of my life this besides the celtics had a run in the 80s nobody in this town could win and that's why they it's been so spoiled so anybody who's under the age of 21 get ready because there is a time when your teams don't always win and in boston sometimes that's a long drought so uh no i'm just kidding hopefully that doesn't happen but yes here's to winning one again i know everyone says well we lost two more we did lose two more but you know what at least we were in the finals again and that didn't
2: happen you got there and that's something to be proud of but it in this town, if you don't get the ultimate goal, you don't reach the pinnacle. You are just you you trash on the on the team and the management and everything else, and everything's everything's at fault. And you know you blame 2015 draft, and it's just it's just a shit show when you don't win around here, and it's and it's tough because it makes the offseason very long when when Bruins fans are relatively unhappy. But it 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 makes interesting conversation on Twitter, especially because Twitter can be a shit yeah. show when it comes to Bruins Twitter. Um, but the you know the armchair GMs are all out there saying that you should get you, you should get this you should get that so you know it, we'll definitely put something together with these armchairs and see what you know what could happen later on in a in a possible segment this uh, uh this summer so
0: so when everyone like was posting their, you know Washington they won their cup anniversary the uh. 2019, obviously, when we lost in St. Louis there. Well, I would like to say happy 10th anniversary to us the fans out there. And also especially to those fans out there like you and I who went when there was only half of the stadium open, you know, half the –
2: well, t- tickets were cheap back then. They were
0: given. They were given. Buy away one,
2: get them. one free. You had to you go like, like four fucking 20 rows games. from the gl-
0: yeah, four yeah. rows from the glass for like a- bucks. fifty <laughs> bucks a ticket, and people they still couldn't get people. Where do we sat? It would mean it might have been even after the cup. Remember, we sat in the, the suites. They couldn't even fit seventy-five yep. bucks. We had like, what? what? Yep. This is awesome. We get to go against Chicago like, Blackhawks. Rich. That was a great game. Yeah. Oh my god, that was the funniest adventure ever. But we're like. Barry's like, I don't care. We're going to see Patrick Kane. (laughs) That was when he was young, though, too. But anyways, we'll always have 2011, no matter what happens. And by my estimates, if we go on the same paces in between the other cup runs, I'll be probably 65 (laughs) by the time we actually win the cup again.
2: I, I hope hopefully I have some decent skin to put another tattoo
0: on.'ll
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gra- gravity cup. sucks. <laughs> yeah,
0: it'll be a big cup. although i do I do have to say that she's not going to be principal anymore at the thing at the high school. But when she first came, she had connection or whatever in the Stanley Cup. I did get to see the Stanley Cup in two thousand and eleven at the local elementary school and it was beautiful. And I will always have that even if we never win it again. And I never see it on a duck boat again or whatever. That's awesome. We'll be 101. We'll be like, I remember the last time Yeah. Brad Marshawn will still be like, Brad, he'll just be really old Brad. All right. All right. Let's move on with the news. That's the fun stuff. Let's get on with it. Okay. So the former province captain, uh, Paul Carey uh, has actually served a lot of time down in Providence, was a great captain down there, signs a one-year deal with the
2: uh,
0: Jerry Gardens. Uh, Jerry Jer- Gardens. Yeah, I don't. I always don't know what to You're do with the D. you okay? supposed
2: to be the freaking uh, overseas expert, but you failed yes, on Yes, well, I one, never
0: remembered to do what with the D, okay?
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: right. yeah, yeah. And the SHL. I mess up once. You've messed the up D a The D million is million. silence. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes, but like Paul it.
2: Carey, uh, a two-year uh, captain down in Providence. Then um, this was his second tour of duty. He actually came via a trade with, I believe, the Colorado Avalanche back in the day uh, and spent a little bit of time in, um, in Providence, but uh, in a trade uh, re- most, most recently with the Ottawa Senators that um, – I can't remember the defenseman's name. But anyway, um, yeah, Paul Carey was uh, with the – Providence Bruins the last two years and was captain and uh, and served a, a really big role uh, down there as not only a good player and, and, and a decent point producer but also in a leadership role um, under Jay leach and, and Trent Woodfield and Ryan Mulger and the uh, the bench bosses of the Providence Bruins team um, and and you could definitely tell uh, how important his role was down in Providence. Uh, when when players got called up, more notably like Zach Sendisian and and um, and Trent Frederick and, and and other members like like Cameron Hughes and so on, they always mentioned like his name in there, saying that we really wouldn't have gotten here without the the guidance and 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 the leadership of um, of a person like uh, Paul Carey. So he's uh, he's going to be uh, tremendously missed. He was a great in- interview when I was down there. Uh, for the past, uh, uh, last year when I had, uh, opportunities to interview him several times at the Dunkin' Donuts Center as a media member. Um, but he does, uh, go, you know, it's, it's very common if you're not going to make the NHL, uh, you know, pretty much the NHL dream is over at that time. Cause he's in his thirties. Um, I think he's like 33 or something like that. Um, but it, it's, not, it's not common for players like him to go over and make some really, uh, I believe, tax-free money over in the Swedish Hockey League. So good on him to, to do something different, uh, a new experience for him and his family, travel a little bit, try to get that nest egg going a little bit for his future and his family. So uh, best of luck to him. And, um, you know, it's, it, it remains to be seen who could be the next uh, Providence captain. If I believe um, if they do name somebody. It could be like just Josiah Didier. He's a um, a captain and a former uh, Calder Cup champion with the uh, the uh, Charlotte Checkers, so he's a good candidate right there if he's resigned and so on. I think he's had a little term, but not totally sure on that. But anyway, congrats to Paul Carey.
0: Yeah, congratulations and good luck in Sweden. Uh, sorry I hacked your new team's name, but Mark checked me. Mark yeah. it on
2: the calendar, people. <laughs> I love it. But speaking of this SHL, we got another uh, some more news coming out of there. Uh very interesting signing to say the least. Um but the Boston Bruins signed right winger uh Jesper Froden to a one-year deal worth a reported $825,000. He was the 2020 SHL rookie of the year last season when he posted 22 goals, 18 assists and 40 points in 52 games played. Uh, my thoughts immediately go uh, Parlinholm 2.0. Do not have any idea why this uh, this signing happened. Um, it's it, it, it's a low-risk, possibly high-reward. Uh, actually, I took a screenshot of um, uh, Joe Haggerty's uh, uh, tweet not too long ago. It says the Bruins announced that they've signed 26-year-old Jesper Froden. Uh, of the Swedish Elite League to a one-year deal. The five-foot-ten, 176-pounder. And I'm going to stop right there because Bruins fan freaked out about his size and weight already. It's like, oh, here we go. Um, he had 22 goals. Uh, anyway, I, I already did that. Sweeney called him productive, competitive, and a smart two-way play. So, like I said, Parlin home 2.0. I don't think anything more. I think he was just... Uh, signed and possibly going to be a piece that could push uh, some some younger players uh, in Providence for NHL jobs. So it's just a, basically an insurance policy right now, uh, much like what they did with the Brett Richies of the past and 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 whatever. So I don't think anything tremendous about this deal i don't think he's going to be the transition from the shl to the nhl is so huge and when you're on a one-year deal i just don't think that there's that much time to adjust from bigger ice to smaller sheet in north america what are your thoughts other
0: i think that this is the exact kind of moves we're going to see a lot of before the draft and stuff because we do have a good amount of cap space but we have some people that they probably want to keep that are going to cost some money and you got to work it out So you're going to have to make some of these under a million dollar signings here, there, and everywhere. Because one thing that these playoffs definitely exposed was we do not have as much depth as I think this organization believed we had for depth. And like we've said before, I'm not, we had a shortened season. I'm not blaming any of the kids that came up, you know, to play on the big club, but generally we need to replenish the pool. Like you said, and, even if you replenish it in the draft, you still need people that are ready to fill spots as necessary. And you know what? If the bottom six isn't working as constructed, why the hell not bring in on a... I agree with you. It is, I'm surprised a one-year deal just because of how long it takes to transition to the... That's what the players that come over from Europe say, go into the p- smaller playing surface is just... It's a huge adjustment. But at the same time, if we have right-wingers that are playing like... Yuck, anyways, what the hell is it going to hurt, like you said, to infuse someone like this into the lineup, even if he gives you a couple games, you know, here and there, maybe he's not your, always oh, on your, uh, I don't know, just especially if you're not going to re-sign the Corrales of the world and stuff, you know, maybe we're just shot, switching out mediocrity for other mediocrity, but... You need to have people, though, and you need to be able to have players and not spend a lot, like you're always talking about. It's great to go and get a Jack Eichel in the world, right? But if sometimes you need to get five Jesper Froden's, then that's what sometimes when you're in transition you need. Oh, I was just going to say, because even in Providence, right, we have a lot of RFAs in have Maybe they have deciding to maybe, I know it's a one-year deal with the Bruins Bruins, but maybe they're also looking to give some of those players one last push here to really get, now that they're going back to normal developmentally, maybe it's a way to – so the kids aren't trying to do both. I don't know. It's just a thought I had that.
2: I, I could definitely see a player like uh, Oscar Steen who's already in the system, has already won full uh, or two full seasons already in, the, in North America on these smaller sheets of ice and been adjusted, played well, got some NHL experience this past season um, and the season before. I thought that he'd be a perfect fit for this and, and to save some cap space. I know it's under a million dollars, but still, when you when you look at this Boston Bruins team right now and you have to like think about how you're going to restruct it, you want to save all available cap space. So this signing to me is kind of moot. Um, that's a word I don't use often, but it, it's just, why not give the opportunity to somebody you already have in the system and, and already knows and, and familiar with the, the uh, 200 by 85 sheet? So I don't know. I mean, it could be wrong. I mean, we're just saying stuff right now to, yeah. to get some season content, but what, what is displayed on the ice could ultimately have us be um, not saying what we're saying right now and kind of, in my opinion, a displeasure in the signing. But, it, I mean, definitely this was a P.J. Axelson move. He's probably been talking about uh, this player for, for a while now, and, and obviously Sweeney did mention that they've been tracking him for a couple of years now. So who knows? We'll see what happens.
0: And, you know, I mean, not for anything. I I think P.J. Axelson also probably because he himself was a t- player that came from internet. I think Strong two-way game. Uh, you know, I'd like to point out, like, Froden is not – he's not a baby either. He's, like, in his 20s. Like, he's been playing a while, like, at least in the Swedish H- Hockey League professionally, and I think he has a good eye of maybe who can transition better, and he, this may have been a suggestion of just – Maybe that some of those kids aren't quite right. Like, as much as you, I and I agree with you, and I understand, like, the whole well, if we already have this, but maybe there's something there that he might bring, we don't know because we don't watch him. That for a quick, kind of cheaper fix was suggested, uh, to get something. Do you know what I mean? So, maybe they're trying to you know, do that, hoard so many people under X amount, you know, million. And then so they can really figure out in the next month, what are we doing for at the draft trading? Because, again, even if you draft, there are not that many NHL-ready players, especially the last two years where people haven't really had the play time and the development the way that they're supposed to that are going to be NHL-ready, or we don't really have the money to go get, Um, like ba- Barry was joking, we should trade everyone for Victor Hedman. That will sell, sell that will, uh... Fix the defense, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, just the fan base is crazy, and we say all these things, you know. <laughs> Barry's um,
2: blow it up, guy. Like, yeah, yeah, blow yeah. He's up.
0: like, let's blow everything up. <laughs> but like, you know, again, yeah, let's put a little trust in PJ Axelson. I do believe he'll have the Bruins' best interests at heart. Maybe he's trying to help Don not go and make his own decisions out on the free market for the Nick Richie's and the Parlin Homes of the, you know, world. Yeah. And I think Parlin Home too was just not a good fit here, like just style wise. It wasn't even. He was a good dude, and Bruins liked him, but he wasn't really. Fit for the system, you know, Um, but we got to do something. We don't have the depth, so
2: yeah. Keeping the Swedish uh, thing rolling here, we got another one. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Bruins signed forward Anton Bleed to a one-year two-way contract extension with a reported seven hundred fifty thousand dollars against the cap. Um, This is uh, just somebody that could possibly push to address the bottom six uh, issues that we had this season, especially in the postseason, but it's also interesting that this Boston Bruins team would do something like this, um, possibly knowing that he's not going to be on the roster after uh, training camp. Uh, Anton will need the, uh, the um, waiver process to go to Providence if needed. Um, and he's the type of player that could probably sneak through uh, because when the season starts, a lot of um uh, after training camp a lot of players are on the waiver wire and and so many teams now 32 with Seattle and, we, and the draft is coming up in I believe 30 days yeah less than a month yeah um th- th- those guys are all, all 32 teams now are going to be looking at the waiver process uh in early October and be like they're going to pick the high commodities off of that list I think um Anton might slip through who knows but I mean if anybody's looking for grit uh, from a smaller player, a decent skater and so on, but uh, somebody that can get under your skin. I mean, a team could definitely take him on. And 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 in my opinion, I still think Anton would make consistently with another team and not the Boston Bruins. So we'll see what happens with this.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big Anton Bleed person. Not because he's not a lovely person. Not because he doesn't do well on the Providence Bruins. I just... Again, this goes back to how I keep saying we have all these people in our system that we value very much. But in the end, like even if he challenges for a bottom six spot, sorry, but in my heart of hearts, I don't think that's addressing what we need on the bottom six. I think that's doing exactly what part of the problem is. Now, granted, some of our bottom six players are people we have been able to rely on and had really crap playoffs and stuff like that. All these people we keep plugging into the bottom six—they're not good enough. That's what like history is trying to teach us. Yet we keep going out and again, like Anton, maybe he is a third or fourth liner in the NHL, but it's not going to be with the Boston Bruins. And if he ends up in our our starting bottom six, you know, consistently, then that means that we haven't done enough to make this team better. And that's not a slight to Anton Bleed. It's just again, look at other successful, look at the third and fourth line of the Islanders in Tampa Bay right now, right? Look at the third and fourth lines of Vegas and Montreal. That's why they're in the, like, yes, some of them more freakishly luck things are going good for them, but we have seen in the last 10 years since we've won the cup that it's the teams that can roll four lines when they're on, have good defense structure, and have a great goaltender are the people who win the cups, right? Agreed. You know, so we need to get back to that. That is part of the Bruins' identity. Yeah. And we can't keep band-aiding the third. Like, sorry, but like we did with Craig uh, Craig Smith, right? Sweeney went out, signed him three years, which is reasonable for a decent third or fourth liner, which he is. And it turns out maybe he might be our second line fix. You know, those kind of plays are the players we really need. Because as much as we might like the Anton Bleeds of the world and whoever, Oscar Seed, I don't know. You could name a list not all of them are going to ever bump up and not all of them have value to us in trade. And we only, it's important. Providence is good as well. You know what I mean? For development. But again, that's, if we could have found maybe there's someone else $750,000 worth of a two way contract we could have got that would change up the chemistry.
2: It's such a gamble with plug and plays. It really is because you see what you could. You see good things down in Providence, which is a totally different level. It's close, but it's totally different. Um, And then when you get them up there and you get them involved, uh, they just most of these players can't gain consistency to stay in the lineup, um, game in and game out. So uh, that's got to change. We need, like, like you said, I I think we just need to increase our depth, and I think that that's going to be a a big thing that this Boston Bruin team is going to need. Uh, this off season, and um, and clearly, we'll talk about it on the next on the next uh, topic on the agenda. But you know, it, it, something's got to be done to uh, better facilitate because we 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 were bitching so long for the the um, the top line of uh, Bergeron, Pasta, and Marchand being the, the what moves the needle on this on this team, and then we complained about secondary scoring and so on. But to, to round out a full NHL team, you got to have those bottom six members that are all in, buying in, and, and can do it consistently. I'm not yeah. saying that they have to produce points on a, daily, on a game basis, but you still have to be there and play that role, whether it be a penalty-killing role or your fourth liner that's matched up against the, an, an opponent's first line. You have to be better at what you are. And what we saw in the regular season wasn't so good, and in the postseason, it got really bad, and that's ultimately one of the bigger factors and why we uh, it was a second round exit to the uh, to New York Islanders.
0: Yeah, and even if you, like if you look back to the Cup team in two thousand eleven, they were in some ways a ragtag group of like just they show you what if you have the right chemistry with just the right players at the right time, you know what I mean? That are all buying in. They all are in on the system. They all, there's no, and it clicks. That's how teams that maybe shouldn't hoist cups end up winning the cup because you can roll four lines. And when one of your big names go down, you can still persevere. And we don't have that yet. Where like when we start dropping the Carlos and Miller's and everyone of the world, and it it's not again, not slight. It's just we don't have it in our system to really have again. Good on Zabar, Zaboral and Lausanne, how they tried. Rough rookie year to be coming in, like, and having real, like, your first. But they're not quite ready to fill in the second line roles and stuff yet consistently. Not saying it's their fault, not saying they never will, but this goes to the argument. We need more depth. If we don't have anyone else that can fill the left or the right side, whatever we need to come up, then we need to go out and get that depth and re- re- Replenishing the system doesn't always have to be through the draft. And I feel like we've been in a rut of that for a few years now, because sometimes replenishing your system is having the balance of the veterans and the kids that you just got drafted. Some will maybe do uh, a HL first. Some of them will be off at other clubs for a while, but you need to also have ready-made players. <laughs> you need to sometimes have yeah. the 23 year old, you know, again, Nick Richie could be an example, a kid that hasn't been playing that long. It's not going to ever be a superstar. But could maybe in the right circumstance be productive, you know? We need more of those players that we're not paying. We need. I think we got a little gun shy for a while too to even pull off those kind of um, medium-sized deals because so many potentially excellent trades fell apart. Uh, whether, um, you know, whatever, Bacchus and his he ended up getting sick and having injuries, so that didn't really work out quite the way it looked on paper, or Rick Nash is another example. Right, Those kind of trades. That's why the Taylor Hall trade was important, I think, for Sweeney and Neely to say, no, you know what, we can shake it up. You know what I mean? We're not no. afraid to go up there. We have to do that. I mean, you can't be a sucky Boston Bruins team. This city will not allow it. You need to do better. And I think they know. I think this playoff showed the front offices that sometimes it's not the players. It's the way that we're making the decisions maybe that also have to change.
2: Yeah. That was my thought on that. And real quick before we go on to our next topic, um, I mean, the Bruins management should be watching these current playoffs. These four teams that are involved right now. And look at the balance that they have in their lineup from, one, from line one through four. You can definitely see that this is why these teams are more involved because they have those types of players. And like you said, you don't want to draft like a. I know the Trent Frederick's going to be one of those one of those weird ones because he was taken in the fourth in the in the first round, but he plays a fourth line role right now, kind of a third fourth bounce. But uh, that that's when you want to you, know, you want to draft your future players. You want to get these. Um, the Corey Perry's, the Pat Maroons, and so on. You want to address those in free agency, and so you know, and see see if the gamble works there. But yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be
0: super interesting with the double draft, though, because so many things. It's going to be crazy week. I love it. I love yeah. the chaos of drafts. That's my favorite part of it.
2: All right. So um, last week, the Boston Bruins general manager Don Sweeney and team president Cam Neely gave their season exit interviews. Um, A lot of different things, uh, avenues that they traveled upon. But um, man, I mean, particularly Cam Neely, he just really said that we weren't, we weren't physical enough. We weren't, we weren't doing what we were set out to do. And, and, and basically paraphrasing said, we need major changes and, I've been through this avenue before with major changes. I mean, just look at the um, the playoff exit to Tampa Bay in the in the bubble and and, and, and their their address uh, to to get this team better. They go out and sign Craig Smith, which I thought was a great sign like you mentioned earlier. But then they really didn't do much after that. It was more or less let's see what we can do with the the lineup that we have. To me, a lot of this is just smoke and mirrors again. I want to see it actually happen, but I do have a little bit of faith in these two because the fact is that they did pull off the uh, the Taylor Hall trade with Buffalo, which only required a second round pick in Anders Bjork. So I'm kind of leaning towards that maybe this is something that they're on the threshold right now of losing their jobs and they need to really push the needle here to get a winner back in Boston. So what are your thoughts moving forward and, and particularly what they said during these exit interviews?
0: Well, I sense last season and all after the bubble and how the pressers seem to be contradicting everything that, Everything else was saying like their words are saying this, but our eyes and ears are seeing and hearing this. It makes you very skeptical. Are they going to, you know, like, are they going to as much as they're like, yeah, we'd love to have Taylor Hall there. Are they really going to figure out how to. Um, you know, as much as it would break my heart, if, like I said, I would really like create to sign at least one more year. So him and Bergeron maybe can retire off into the sunset together from the Bruins, whatever. That's my personal wish. But like, if not, you still need to have a solid left wing. You know what I mean? Like you still need to sign. So like, are you going to now? Can you work your genius, Don Sweeney? Can you talk Taylor Hall out of his $8 million in his own head and down to 6.5, say maybe for two years? Like No offense, buddy, but you don't seem to like to stick around very long. People throw money at you and you're always unhappy. You say you're happy here. Well, I'd like you to be happy for $6.5 million for the next two years, and then we'll talk.
2: I'll you take that I mean? deal. I'll take and that deal it, any day.
0: Yeah, and I hear Taylor Hall saying, "I don't even know what my value is. I really like it in Boston. Me and my girl are gonna hang around, you know, Maybe we're gonna house shop. I don't know. Make it work. I think, make they, it.
2: I think they hanging around is just to get past no, the uh, no, the, the draft, the uh, Seattle yeah. draft and see if and go from there. That's when the contract negotiations are gonna pick up.
0: No, I'm only joking because it's summertime. Everyone loves hanging out in New England in the summer. It's awesome here. We have everything. That's we have the ocean. Thing. We have the mountains. We have rivers, streams, camping, horseback riding, everywhere, whatever. We um, have everything. I, I just need to see you actually do that. What? couple of things that stuck out to me, particularly like I think Don, uh, Cam Neely's was way more revealing than Don Sweeney. One, I love that they're both on board. They, too, think my defense needs to be better. I mean, their defense <laughs> needs to be better. They need to go out and do something. They can't. They can't. Whether you resign, whatever you do with Carlo, whatever happens with Carlo and... Kevin Miller, let's face it, is probably retiring, which he should, I think, for his own health and, like, go be a dad. And maybe he yeah. can be a defensive coach or something and come back and work with the team. He's like a workout beast. Maybe he can help be a trainer. I don't know.
2: Yeah, 98.5, uh, um, Ty Anderson. He wrote a t- uh, tremendous article today about Kevin Miller and his future. I highly recommend that you guys go check it out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Ty Anderson rocks. Shout out, Ty. Uh, you know, I, I I really want to see them address that. Again, you don't have to bet the farm, okay? Like last year, I understand it was we were letting Crew go. Were we going to get angel We were never getting him. We were never getting Alex. Like, let's be honest, okay? We don't have the money and we don't have – but there is going to be some pretty decent D out there that we could go and help shore up the end and fix it a little bit. So there isn't – it's one thing that you have to patch a little hole, but what happens when we get injuries to certain players is they're big gaping holes in the ship, and we need to stop that from happening. So that and I thought it was interesting that Neely said, I wish there would have been more time between hiring Dawn and the draft about 2015, which you bring up. And I know a lot of your favorite, like, you know, young players kind of came out of it. And It's. I think the jury's still out on how exact busty it was, but it was interesting he said that. Is he saying that in a way of, hey, man, you all want to blame Don for this, but he was only GM for X amount of time. You know what I mean? Like Maybe we could have, as an organization, taken more time to make these decisions. But he said it in a way also, though, I think that he's still doubling down on that they don't regret their choices in that draft. You know what I mean? So that was interesting to me. Kind of like Okay, fan base, just so you know, the 2015 kids are still going to be here, some of them, most of them, probably all of them. You don't know. Uh, so lay off about it, okay? But stop just harping. I think even they're sick of hearing the harping on the 2015 draft. But what did you think? Sweeney, S- Sweeney did the Sweeney thing. He's just kind of more.
2: To well, it's just, to me, uh, I, oh God, the narrative of 2015 just keeps happening, and I freaking hate it. I understand that they made a mistake and and they're and they're admitting their faults and so on. But you just opened up Pandora's box for this fan base to completely re shit on another freaking narrative of 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 a failure, which which so many people cannot get over. Especially with Barzell continuing in these playoffs, it's just it's mind blowing. I no get offense. it.
0: Barzell didn't even look good until about halfway through our series against the Islanders. He was not the key factor in the first round. You know, he's just, I mean, he's a great player, but get off it. It's not like, you know. Right. Well, they right. make it like Barzell and them have won all these cups and all this. No, I'm not saying there aren't probably people yeah. in that draft that haven't won a cup since then. But yeah. I'm sure we didn't have the only busts, like, quote-unquote, for the non-YouTube listeners out there, you know. Oh, uh,
2: that's a That's a great little segue right there into our next topic. The bust word <laughs> <And I'm> a... <laughs> Bruins prospect forward. Peter, not the great Solarik, signs a one year deal with Avantgarde and the KHL. Peter led all scorers in the 2021 IIHF World Championship held in Riga, Latvia, uh, in late May and early June this month. So He's a great player in the American Hockey League. He's a great player in international um, play, but not so good at the NHL level. Um, so, uh, And he signs with the KHL, which means that the, the Bruins, they, they're just going to hold his rights. I kind of believe that he might be moved at the draft for a higher pick, maybe a fifth, maybe a sixth, maybe even a seventh round pick, get something for the disgruntled player. And move on after him. The Bruins do have his rights until the age of twenty-seven, which is 2023. Yes. June first, 2023 is so um they could either do that this year. I think his value would be higher this year because of, of, of what he produced in that tournament and how he played over in the uh Swedish hockey league um after he left the Providence Bruins and and mentioned that. Um, the coaching staff doesn't give him a chance after he had 40 game um, uh, tryout, <laughs> in my opinion, in uh, an evaluation. And, and after 40 games, I mean, um, you know, you just you just couldn't prove it. And it's not the coach's fault. I think it's I think this is on the player, but the player was blaming everybody else. So uh, not a big loss, but. I kind of, I'm not going to pat my back, I'm, uh, pat myself on the back, but a lot of people said that, you know, look at what he's doing over in the SHL. We need to get him back over here. And I was just like, I don't know about that. Because the fact is that if you say something about coaching in Boston, you don't say, stay around Boston or Providence very long. You are away from the organization. I've seen it. I can make a list of, of players that mentioned that they didn't get appropriate playing time and they're no longer around. So, Sorry for those Peter Salaric fans out there, but uh it's just it's it just didn't it just can't be. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, again, we have all these people we've given a chance, but sorry Peter Salaric, but I hope that you have a good KHL career for the last 2 years cuz you'll probably stay there unless you go back to Sweden or whatever. I don't know. Uh, this goes back to my theory of a lot of these people are not fit to be in the Team and just like the at least the way it's constructed now. And as much as you wanna give people chances, sometimes you gotta just stop giving people chances. So there's a roster spot that we won't have to deal with having down there and you know, are, is he gonna play here, there, or everywhere? So no offense, Peter solarik Good luck in uh the KHL. Hope you don't get injured or anything. Hope you make some money and uh Keep yourself fresh because maybe you might, like you said, you might get dumped, you know, like they like Seattle has to pick up so much contract and spend so much, you know what I mean? Like they have to create a whole system of players so maybe you have a life somewhere else uh your rights do and we don't even have to worry about them after so long but um yeah i'd much rather inherit jesper froden who also played on the international stage
2: this year and represented the country you know uh that's just me okay absolutely let's blast through these last uh bunch of topics because we're running out of time uh before we get uh our friend tim Wasburger from the uh, Dropping the Gloves Hockey Podcast. He is a producer and co-host along with John Scott. So, up and coming defenseman uh, uh, Mason Lowry was named 2021 USHL Defenseman of the Year and uh, All USHL First Team All Star, which is a fantastic uh, feat for the young man. He is. Uh, I watched a ton of his games um, when he was with the Green Bay Gamblers uh, in the USHL this year. Wow. I was absolutely amazed by his talent. He's such a, he's a big lanky kid that is going to be putting on some size, but um, just his point, he's a point per, point per game defenseman. And that's something that as positive uh, for the Boston Bruins moving forward. He's an Ohio state Buckeye commit for the next season. And um, I think he's going to do good in the, uh, in the big 10 and um and get, you know, the extra level. I'm not sure if he's going to be a point per game uh, player. We'll see. That remains to be seen because it is a jump. Um, uh, it is a higher level jump and you need to adjust to it. But I, I seem to have a feeling that he'll be, he'll do okay in this league moving forward. I would like to see him uh, potentially stay at least three years, possibly leave to turn pro but um just the way that everything's lining up with the defenseman right now in the NHL and the depth I think that 3 years would be sufficient enough and then get out of there come to Providence play at least one year of system hockey and then make your NHL debut uh, sometime soon but he does have all the all the promising attributes that you want to see in a young development kid and he's got a great attitude which is awesome I and mean, character is a big thing with this Boston Bruins organization.
0: Uh yeah, I you know um you know, you. I've seen some of the highlights and stuff throughout the year, you know, when they said there's been a lot of highlights, actually, from Mason Lori over the year from the development program. And uh, it's fun watching the kids that are the products of now. They grew up with the development model and all this and just top end talent like he does so many things right. And it's obviously nice to see a defenseman with a good offensive side. This kid's only going up, you know what I mean? Barring any major things. I agree with you. I think, especially defensemen. I mean, there are certain situations, obviously, but I think it's important just for developmental, developmentally, you know, putting on size, this and that. College is important. The collegiate program, uh, stay there. Like you said, at least three years. Really get yourself going. But you could be a like one year down and up. I mean, he's he just you can see the upside in this kid. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like he's one of those people that people go, Oh,
2: why would who is Mason Lurai? Why are we signing Mason?
0: You know what I mean? That's why. Because yeah. we need defensive prospects. We need people to be able to come up in a few years and start filling in and really becoming the new defensive core. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. and
2: oh and trust me, they already complained about it because he was an off the board pick.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I actually find that Don Sweeney and them do better. Um, when they pick the random people, as opposed to like best you want to about the 2015 draft, right? Right. So yeah. like the be- they didn't maybe pick their best available, but there was a million people. But still, even the people they picked were still in that you know elite guide that gets published of like the right. people who are probably getting drafted. But I think that Sweeney's draft of be his best thing is to pick people that no one in the seventh round out of nowhere or whatever. I don't know if that's the round he was drafted, but. Sweeney sees things, especially with younger players, that sometimes they don't develop. But generally, if you give patience, they do. Like, he can see. He was a defenseman, right? He can see what maybe you need in the newer NHL. Because we've talked about it. Like, Don Sweeney really should have been playing defense more this era than the era he did play in. Just his style and what he did, you know? Uh, I don't know. But I just think that, Laura, he's going to be important uh, we, if you want all the prospects to be on this team someday, I would say he's a kid that I'm really pulling for to be part of this back end moving forward, and maybe make us a little more big bad Bruins in that modern era, like we talked about. How are you strong on the puck and strong on your feet and strong for you to, for your teammates without necessarily being the punching people in the face kind of stand up guy? Right. Sorry, I don't. I don't know why I want to think. I just like he like gives me the warm and fuzzies when I see his highlights. The annual player award uh, player poll was put out. They do 300, I think, players or so. Um, it, The Bruins actually scored in some places, but I thought it was very interesting that Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby tied with exactly 23.78% of the player votes. Um That's interesting because as much as I know we love Bergeron and he's very well respected by other fan bases and the players around the league. I do think that he's probably one of the few people that Sidney Crosby really looks up to as a peer, you know what I mean? And like on an equal level of like that kind of high quality all around, you know, not like Sid doesn't request things, but I thought that was interesting that, you know, you ask fans, you ask this, but when you ask players what their answers are to some of the questions. So congratulations, because you guys took two thirds of the voting just amongst the two of you. So that doesn't say how pretty good you guys are. That's ridiculous. Uh, but a few other things like Pasta was third on like best goal scorer. If you needed a player to win one game for you, what player would you want? Bergeron made that list. Pasta made best shot list. He didn't. They didn't win, but they're just some things. Um, play uh, Pasta did win player with the most unique tape job though, with a pretty good percentage. Uh, that's kind of fun and. Most fashionable pasta came in number two to Austin Matthews, which I think is ridiculous because if Austin Matthews continues to have that ugly thing on his face, how can he be fashionable? But, uh, and just in the fan polls, I just wanted to mention uh, the fan polls real quick that Patrice Bergeron got best dressed and pasta knock one legend, uh locker room legend from the fans. So a little bit of honors going around, even though like you just popped up.
2: Let's move Bergeron- on to this right now. Yeah. Uh, Bruins captain Patrice Bergeron comes in second place in the 2021 uh, Sulky Trophy voting. Florida Panthers Alexander Barkov wins the defensive forward award for the first time in his career. Uh, bit of a shock right here. I didn't. Uh, I I actually had, and I'm probably heavily biased, but I had Bergeron um, winning this award um, hands down, uh, just by looking at the graphs and everything like that. I mean, Bergeron was at the top of every. Every um, every analytic freaking thing right there, but uh, somebody I do not like at all. But obviously, this one right now, uh, this tweet, Damian Cox. I'm I'm not a big fan of this guy because he just he just puts trash out on 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 Twitter. But um, uh, he says uh, time to put the blue a blue ribbon panel of real hockey people, ex players and coaches and executives in charge of voting NHL awards. Uh, P-H-W-A members have demonstrated they are not qualified and aren't taking it seriously. I actually like that tweet, and that's the only one I, I really like from Damian Cox and his career on Twitter. So um, things got to get better. Um, I mean, even Ty Anderson uh, like expressed his displeasure on Twitter by, uh, by um, removing his uh, prescription to the Athletic and, and posted it. On, uh, on 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 uh, on Twitter, so it, it's uh th- and those are the majority of of members of that PHWA that are all writing about it. So, yeah, they need to pay more attention.
0: I think it's weird that the players vote on this. I mean, the writers vote on this award, anyways. Let's face it there are, there are people that are in the player uh, the writers association that are better writers and journalists than others right so there are certain people that i feel like their analytics or their what they're looking their eye test and their you know they have an actually more intellectual approach to how they would vote you know they don't vote because this is who i this this and that maybe you need to have only x amount of players like you say if you're a news organization i mean players writers say you're a news organization say you're the athletic maybe only x amount of your writers get to vote and then you do have maybe a mixed panel but it just seems to be weird to me that this is not you almost feel like this is an award that the players should vote on right like that the Players themselves decide who that is. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if I feel Bergeron was screwed. I do think it's weird because Bergeron's numbers, like last year when he lost, like we agreed, like Sean Couturier should have won. Like
2: he. Yeah, he, it's because the game is played.
0: Right. This year, though, is weird to argue that Bergeron wasn't the Selkie winner. The problem is in the NHL, we do things by what he thinks is going to help drive revenue this and that. So I, I agree you don't want the same players winning every year, but he's been nominated for 10 years in a row or whatever and he's only won four of them. So it's not like he always wins. And also Bergeron is a player that being nominated is supported year in and year out with his statistics. So, I mean, that that being said, Alexander Barkov is a great forward. He is good at what he does. He's a good kid. You know, he helps drive that Florida team. He is one of the only reasons that team is, did not fall off the map there in the last few years, you know, having players like him. So I don't want to disparage him winning. Like, he had a great season, too. The Panthers had a good season. But, yeah, man, it dumbfounds me. And I guess I wouldn't be opposed to m- maybe mixing up a panel, having the players – I mean, it's the NHL Awards. They can decide who does whatever, right? Right. Um, yeah, but that that is weird to me, like – Statistically, there was like one category. He was number two, and in instead of one or something like that, I saw a list someone had tweeted out there in the world. I don't know, but I'm not going to be that Bruins fan that's like he got screwed. But I do have to be honest. When they were announcing it the other night, I was like Patrice barkov Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, congratulations to Alex Barkov, because you're a good young. You know, you're a fun player in this league. You're a good face in this
2: league. You're a good kid.
0: So, Uh,
2: still, great segue again for the congratulations word. Congratulations to former Boston Bruins prospect Alexander Kokachev. He signs a one year deal with KHL Spartek Moskva with this contract news. The relationship is finally over between Kokachev and the Bruins organization. Uh, He is no longer a, uh, has the rights um signing this deal he's 27 years old so basically that's all done uh and he was drafted in 2011 um from the uh, minnesota draft uh that was held in minnesota sorry um so that's it he's no longer coming back uh for anybody that was on coco gate in the past um more particularly more particularly our friend rob tomlin uh sorry buddy it's not it's not gonna happen but um you know another disgruntled uh employee basically player that said something uh this this goes back to uh Claude Julian about playing time and uh, and again this is just adds to the list of uh of players when you when you speak up you don't last in this organization very long
0: and you know what the bruins do not only do they not let you have playing time in the like upper like you know providence or whatever they'll bury your ass somewhere too and just let you find a thing um i thought you were gonna say when you went to save disgruntled player i thought you were gonna say just another disgruntled bruins fan meaning rob's gonna be disgruntled about this (laughs) one that's so funny just getting shot out Shout out, Rob. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, like, again, these are the dramas. Can you imagine saying to Claude Julien, you're not playing me enough? What did you just say to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, he's old school hockey. You know what? What? You play. If I give you 36 seconds all year, you should be grateful that I gave you that 36 seconds.
2: Bro. He had nine That's NHL funny. games uh, total. So, yeah. and he, he didn't Bye. believe that that was enough. But, but, but a, pl- a player like Solaric has, uh, 40 games to, um, show his skills off and and just couldn't make it work so
0: i don't think that he that the coco gate like i i'm not really sure the coco gate that's so funny um i just who's to say anything would have worked out but one thing in the Bruin system is attitude is everything like you then you're expected to lay it all on the line and like it you know what i mean not i don't like this or that not like they don't care about their players like uh you know when Cassidy said I didn't have the conversation with DeBrosk yet because it's a little raw for both of us and we'll talk about it whatever the hell that means but I understand like yeah you do think about these things but that kid no like he thought he was coming in and he was going to be one of the next people like dude this is a team that let sh- Joe Thornton go to San Jose for like a blah 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 and a blah blah yeah. blah and a how a whole lot of nothing. 15 years of how the fuck did that happen? Well like. Marco
2: Sturm turned out pretty good.
0: I do love Marco Sturm. Yeah. Shout out,
2: right. oh, Germans. All right. The last topic on our agenda before we take our break and hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan and then transition right into our conversation with Tim Wasburger from the uh, Dropping the Gloves hockey podcast with John Scott. We want to talk about this. Uh, this was uh, brought out of Austin Bruins management report during the team's. Exit interviews that eight players on the team suffered concussions during the 2021 regular season and postseason. So that is a big number for me. Um, and more particularly, it's the narrative that so many Bruins fans, unhappy Bruins fans, uh, in my opinion, um, uh, gravitate to because I don't know why people consider concussions being a pussy move. Like, I don't get why somebody's health and uh, and, and brain activity, um, which which can hurt now and later on in life, is is a, is a a path to make fun of or or be disgruntled about because um, you know like Brandon Carlos another one. We got to get rid of him because he he's too soft. He's getting concussions, this and that. I don't consider that. It's a part of the game. It happens to everybody. You're not. It, it's not because you're soft and, and you're not. You can get a concussion hitting your head in your door frame if you run at the. Wrong I know. Game. I just don't understand why people get so infatuated with um, them not being good hockey players because they go through injuries. I, I just don't understand it. But it's something to be. It's something to um, be considered moving forward. Obviously, hopefully, all these players recover over the off season and get back to where they need to be to uh, to get back into training camp and and prepare themselves for the upcoming season but um that's a that's a pretty high number um
0: that's a lot higher than i thought it was going to be we obviously know about some of the concussions throughout the year you know um but that leads me to believe that there were some people that were a little more messed up than we thought during these playoffs and later in the season uh we thought maybe they were ailing from maybe other injuries that they weren't Um, obviously HIPAA, we don't need to know all their dirty details. That's why they have it. But, um, I just want to say fuck off to all those people. Isn't it? Maybe we could look at it and I'm sorry, now I'm getting pissed and I just want to like fucking, geez, especially as Bruins fans, because if you've been a Bruins fan, even just in the last 12 years, you should be able to replay Matt Cook taking out Mark Savard like that in your head and what happened. It's your fucking brain, people. We can't function without our brain. There is all this science. Now, can't we look at it as that maybe back in the good old days of hockey, which I love and you love, rock'em sock'em sock em kind of days? Yes. But maybe at this point with all the data we have behind how you could fall off a horse, right? One person could hit their head this one way, get up, be a little concussed, we'll be fine. The other person falls, hits their head, is dead because their head bled up. It's your brain. It's what makes the rest of it work. And maybe we could look at it instead of like, wow, they were such tough guys back in the day. And they were. They were badasses. I am not saying they weren't. But maybe we should say, maybe it wasn't fucking smart to keep playing when you were fucked up. Yeah. Maybe that's why they had short careers. And they were all crippled at 50 because they messed this. I mean, and it's not even just like, look at Muhammad Ali and this. and yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he obviously had a variety you know, of you know, sports, Arkansas not just Cuba. hockey. Even the even the boxing alone. Soccer, the sport I played, is has more head injuries a year than probably all the sports combined because the, they don't wear helmets or whatever. I'm not advocating they should wear helmets. I'm just saying. Like, you can mess yourself up. You roll out of bed and you happen to hit your head off the table. You pass out in the shower with a head cold. Like Your head needs to be protected. It doesn't make you soft. It makes you not wanting to be a fucking cripple. So yeah. shut up. Why don't you go do it? Why don't you go out there? We'll let... Reeves come at you full fucking speed or Angela, or whoever, someone like that, or Brandon Carlo when he's healthy or, and just let them unload on you and see how soft you are when you can't get back up. Like that's the other thing is uh, you do have to, like you said with Carlo, like on that last hit, you do have some of the ownership is on the players to protect each other and protect oneself. Yep. But generally speaking, as human beings, we need our fucking skull. The only thing that separates us from the rest of the animals is our intelligence and our ability. You know what I mean? Like, we have an amazing body. But, God, I, like, I don't think you should have to retire, a Brandon Carlo, for example. But I do think, you know, people out there are like, oh, you can't. No, you're a fucking moron, dude. If you have a graded concussion, especially you've already had one a couple weeks before, and you're like, I don't care if it's the playoffs or not. And you're like, I got to persevere. That makes you dumb. And you're only going to get more dumb, the more concussion it hits you take to your head because you went out there and got yourself slammed against the boards again. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to rant, but that's just the stupidest fucking thing. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I didn't even I swear all episode, and now I'm She is on
2: out. fire.
0: Ugh, now i got to get my, my nice mouth on, though, for when Tim gets here.
2: Yeah, but we do have to move on to somebody else who's on fire, and that is Bruce Sullivan. He is the awesome person at Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he does all hand-signed items, photos, pucks hand-signed jerseys like the one we're going to give away today. More notably, this Phil Esposito jersey is going to a lucky listener today. Later on in the show, please stick around. And um, please go to his, uh, his his Facebook page, sign up over there, like and share. You can win a free item, but also send him an email and inquire about the next signing, private signings that he does because he does um, – he goes to these places and films people signing these items. It's completely legit, comes with the uh, certificate of authenticity and all that bang good stuff. So we will hear from Bruce and then we'll come right back in and we'll talk to the awesome Tim Warsburger from the drop, uh, drop in the Gloves hockey podcast. We'll be right back, folks. <laughs>
1: Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are extremely pleased to announce the Boston Sports and Music Father's Day signing with Bruins legends Terry O'Reilly and Derek Sanderson. Get autographed O'Reilly 8x10s for $25, 11x14s for $34, pucks for $29, or JSA-inscribed jerseys, For eighty-nine dollars. Grab Sanderson 8x10s for $29, Pucks for $34, or autographed inscribed jerseys for $89. Or give Dad an autographed authenticated puck from Andy Moog or Johnny Busick for $29. Brad Park for $35. Phil Esposito for $55 or Bobby Orr himself on sale for just $139. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand signed pieces. And your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at Boston Sports and Music at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! <laughs>
2: Hey Bruins fans, we're back, and uh, we just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and uh, he's got some fantastic stuff like um, like this awesome Phil Esposito jersey. We're going to be giving away, as mentioned earlier, and next next month we're going to keep the Legend Series going. We have Johnny Busek hand signed jersey. Sorry, it's number nine, <laughs> right on the top. So we're going to be giving this away. And like I said, it's just a dollar. So get involved in patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. And we'll be uh, sending you, hopefully sending you a jersey very soon. But, please and thank you. Yes, please and thank you. It really helps uh, cut our operation costs. But we do have to get to our featured guests because I'm all giddy about this one. This is, <laughs> this is a great program that's been around for at least two years. And I've been listening since day one. And it is uh, Tim Worsberger, and he is the uh, producer and co-host of the uh, Dropping the Gloves hockey podcast with John Scott, and we'll get him in right now. Here he is, Mr. Tim Worsberger. How you doing,
3: sir? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, thank you so much for the time today. We've been talking about this for a while to try to get uh, try to get some dialogue on on time, and we finally narrowed it down to today. And I'm really excited. So, uh, hopefully, you are well and and uh, and everything's going good. And uh, how's your leg doing? Because you uh, did did have a hockey accident recently.
3: Yeah, I broke my leg about a month and a half ago just skating with some local guys, and uh, it was a tibia and fibula fracture, so still not putting weight on it. It's going to be a few more weeks uh, before I can even start the physical therapy process, but every day is a little bit better, so I'm hanging in there.
2: Uh, You're getting pampered,
3: aren't you? (laughs) I wish. I live alone, (laughs) so there's no one here to pamper me. My mom's not there? My mom was in town last week, and, and she loved it because she was like, you haven't needed me for years. This is great. I can take, take care of you again. <laughs> Just don't go breaking another leg to get back, get it back over. <laughs>
1: Seriously.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we, we do have some questions that are Bruins related because you're a diehard Bruins fan, and, and uh, one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on the show. But uh, I wanted to uh, please paint a picture for our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up in New England how and when you became a diehard Boston Bruins fan. And finally, how you got involved in doing the critically acclaimed Drop in the Gloves Hockey podcast with John Scott, the family man and former NHL All-Star.
3: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Hanson, Massachusetts, which is in the South Shore of Boston. Um, if, you know, you probably haven't heard of it if you're, even if you're from Mass, but it's near towns like Hanover, Weymouth, Brockton, that kind of, that area. And uh, yeah, I grew up, spent my whole life there. I went to college up in New Hampshire at St. Anselm College, but stayed in local in New England. And uh, yeah. And then maybe about uh, about three years ago, I was kind of at a point in my life where I'm like, you know, what, I just I need to change. Uh, You know, people, everyone kind of stayed in that area. I wanted to expand my roots a little bit. And um, and I had an uncle and and younger cousins in Traverse City, Michigan, which is uh, if you're looking at the mitten, it's way up here on the water. And uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I had visited a couple times and it's just like uh, I tell folks back home, it's very similar to like a Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Burlington, Vermont, Newport, Rhode Island, like those kind of like really beautiful coastal towns with great thriving downtown and all that. So I figured I, I could move somewhere where I didn't know anyone and kind of just start fresh and have a new adventure. But, you know, 20 minutes away was a home cooked meal and a place to do laundry and all that. So it's been a great it's been a great three years there. And and uh, real quick before I um, Heather ask her a question, St. Anselm's was actually a place
2: I used to go and uh, and re- report on uh, Manchester Monarchs because they used to have their practice facility there.
3: They did, yeah. Sometimes we would just kind of check out the rink just to see if they were in town, and a lot of times they would they just be quietly be practicing. There were no announcements or anything, but for whatever reason, the with Verizon Center right was um, occupied or whatever, and they were just uh, you know practicing on our rink. It was pretty cool. Yeah, go ahead, Heather.
0: Oh well, you didn't. I want to know how you became when you knew you were going to be a diehard Bruins fan. You didn't answer that part. Uh,
3: you know, so it's funny because it, it doesn't go back to like early childhood. My my parents weren't uh, hockey fans. Like I was a hockey player since I was five or six years old but like I didn't grow up watching the Bruins like a lot of other fans did. I kind of remember middle schoolish, kind of like just really I mean, maybe the video games helped too, kind of getting to know the players that way and and those older like oh seven oh six teams and back when they weren't good, but they had just signed like Savard and Chara and all these guys were kind of like, they were up and coming kind of overnight. And um, and I remember just being like, for a year or so, just being like obsessed with it and just like watching every game and all this stuff. And a buddy of took me to a game and he had like fourth row seats or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, there's Glenn Murray. He's right there. There's PJ Axelson. This is so cool. <laughs> and um, And then it kind of took off from there to the point where, you know, I could just, I don't have a photographic memory or anything, but I just feel like I knew every player on every team. I can name them all, the prospects, and just watch the games and be able to take something away from it. So it kind of may be a, a late bloomer in terms of being a Bruins diehard, but uh, just as strong now as I think as anyone else, maybe.
0: As long as you bleed in black and gold, it's all good.
3: I have to say, too, being a a transplanted asshole, it's kind of comforting to hear these Boston accents. I don't get to hear it much out in Michigan anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My mom doesn't have a strong one, so it's really, really nice to hear.
0: Well, I think, too, what – uh, everyone thinks everyone sounds like my cousin from Boston, who actually, ironically, is from our town that we're in right now. Uh, but there are different yeah. New England accents, as you know. There are different degrees to it. We don't sound like mm-hmm. RA or anything, but I, I do think I have an East Coast, Eastern Massachusetts accent. I'm gonna you definitely
3: it do.
2: But yeah. my,
0: sorry, well, my question I wanted to ask you is tell us a little about your relationship with John. Like, how did that all happen? You guys, I mean, obviously, he's a father of six, and you know, you're living having your mom have to come out and help you with the leg. I mean, why is he not over there helping you with the leg? What's going on?
1: Now? Well,
3: actually, I gotta give him credit. Uh, well, actually, more for his wife, Danielle. She cooked me a, <laughs> a beautiful, huge meal a few days ago. Um, just Korean beef with all the fixings and rice and all that stuff. and. Um, it was enough for like I got three or four meals out of it. So John, John tried to take the credit, but she was texting me like, "Hey, I made this. John's gonna bring it over." So <laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah, I, when I when I moved out here uh, just about three years ago, I didn't have a job. I just kind of figured like, I'll I'll go there. I'll figure it out when I get there. And I, I worked at a marketing agency. And during the interview, my the CEO was like, "Hey, do you know John Scott?" And I'm like, "Yeah, obviously." <laughs> and this is only this is like a year and a half, two years after the All Star thing, so it was still pretty fresh. And he goes, yeah, he lives in Traverse City. He's my neighbor. He comes in all the time. We run his podcast out of the office. And I was like, no way. And I kind of remember thinking like, oh, maybe I'll get a chance to meet him one time. Like, That'll be cool to say I know John Scott or I met him one time. Um, and the first time he came in, he just like, I was nothing to him. He's like, hey, how are you doing? And I, I don't think he looked at me again. Um, <laughs> but then uh, one time he came in to record an episode. He's like, hey, Tim, do you want to hop on? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And he goes, no, seriously, do you want to come on? And I was like, Oh, yeah. OK. And um, and I remember just kind of thinking like whatever it was. It was a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day podcast where he, he was going down a list of teams and just announcing. You probably remember it if you listened years ago, like what what each team should wish for for a New Year's resolution. And I was just kind of he was going alphabetically, luckily. So I would just be like a couple of teams ahead of him because I never know when he was going to point a finger at me and go like, Tim, what do you think about the Blackhawks? Or like what do the Ducks need to do? So whenever I was just a couple of teams ahead thinking if he po- if he points to me, what do I say? And I think he liked um, having someone who knew hockey to bounce ideas off of um, just because no one else in the office did. And just it was his show. And I was just kind of like just just chiming in to fill in some gaps here and there to eventually we kind of developed a real um, chemistry, I think. And and now I remember the first time he started introducing me as his co-host, as opposed to just some guy who was sitting in the room with him. (laughs) um, So, yeah, it's it's kind of like I I don't know, I sort of I definitely lucked into it situationally, but I also saw the opportunity like. This is the really cool thing that I think is going to grow, and I can—I just want to be part of it any way I can, and just kind of made myself uh, valuable to him in any way I could in terms of social promotions, in terms of helping with the show, right, you know, writing the agenda, whatever it needed to be, and it kind of transformed into what it is today. Yeah, awesome. it is a great program, and and I, I love the fact that John
2: admittedly said that growing up he was a Bruins fan,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but. In all the episodes, they talk about the Bruins, and and you seem to liven up when he talks about Boston hockey. But then he just can shut you right down right there, and just you know, he, you know, I mean, it, the chemistry is so good; it's almost like a comedy act sometimes.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. Well, it's it's funny too because like he'll he'll he you know, just bashes the Bruins fandom as like the worst in hockey and like the diehards and they don't even see clearly because they just got the black and gold filters in their glasses. (laughs) But, but it's just as bad as anywhere. I mean, go to Philadelphia, go to New York, go to Chicago, like those franchises just the same way, you know, and and I try to be as as objective as I can. But like we said, I believe black and gold and that's not going to change. Yeah. well,
2: uh, Tim, with that bleeding black and gold mentality, uh, what are your thoughts on some of the uh, Bruins UFAs coming up this season, in particularly forwards Taylor Hall, David Krejci, and goaltender Tuukka Rask? Do you actually see these three making returns, or uh, do you see them uh, departing?
3: I see them all coming back, um, and I think they should. Taylor Hall, I like. I, I, I was saying on the show last week, he makes me a little nervous just because I... Um, I can see the streakiness in him, right? And and, and I kind of know there's going to be ch- the times down the stretch. We signed him to a four or five year deal, whatever it is. There's going to be weeks at a time where he doesn't score, and and I and I'm I'm already frustrated with it, even though it's a hypothetical. I just know it's going to happen. Um, but when he's on, he's he's on, right? And and he's got the clear chemistry with Krejci. So I, I see bringing them both back, Krejci hopefully to a more team friendly deal in terms of probably like half of what he's making, maybe maybe like three million or something. Uh, and Taylor Hall has already said that he's made enough money in this league. He wants to win. And so I don't think he takes that much of a pay cut, but certainly less than he could on the open market. I think he wants to be in Boston. And um, yeah, and then, you know, Tuca, he's – I don't understand the hate. I never will. He's such a good goalie. He just got voted top five in the league by his peers in the league. So he's – I don't even want to call it underrated because he he's hes the best – he's top five goalie in the league, right? And, and, yeah, you kind of get the knock. Well, he's never won a cup, but, like, Lundqvist wasn't won a cup. Like, Carey Price never won a cup, and those guys, those guys are unbelievable. So, like, I, I think it takes more than just – it's a lazy response to blame him for the Bruins' lack of success over the last 10 years. And by success, I mean winning a cup because they've been a very successful franchise by all other standards. So um, I think it's just a lazy take from people who want to blame Tuka Rass for them not getting over that hump and bringing a cup home again since 2011. I use the word polarizing. <laughs> Yes, yeah. But he shouldn't be. He no, shouldn't no. Be.
2: I mean, look at all the accolades he's he's accomplished and the career stats. It just stats are facts, and and people don't like facts.
3: Right. And it, and it interferes with the truth, right? In yeah, their head. Exactly. It's funny too, because like when you saw what, what Tristan Jerry did for the penguins in that first round and those goals he was letting up, especially those high glove side goals that you know four or five in that series. And uh, I saw some tweet. I don't know who it was. Maybe Pete Blackburn. But he was like, guys, this is what bad goaltending is, right? This is not <laughs> what Duca Rask has given you ever. So it's like, just like, you, you know, you're going to get what you wish for if you do that. And you bring the next guy in. I think Swayman's great. He's probably the future. But I don't think – I'm not ready to hand the reins to him yet. Especially because this team, I think, is so close. The stakes are too high. The window too small to take a risk at goaltending. I'd rather take the shirt thing. You know you're going to get from Tuka. And, um, and you know, keep Swayman even in Providence. I'd rather have him getting the starts than – playing 20 30 games as a backup you know Well said
0: you you threw me off there with the taylor hall thing i have a proposition i know a girl who thinks that she really loves taylor hall would have drafted him in 2010 thinks he should take a two-year 6.5 because he doesn't tend to stick around and if he wants to be say on the bruins he could pl- take six five for two do you think that's something he would do a short term like hey prove it to us you really want to be here
3: he might, yeah. It depends on what what he thinks about his future in Boston, because he might be looking around, and and two years is probably the perfect amount of time, given the the age of this core. You know, like in in three years, I don't know. This might be a hard pill for the Bruins fan to swallow, just given the age of Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, Rask. Mm-hmm. The defense is really young overall, and then Kevin Miller, but I don't even know if we're going to see him back in the black and gold. So uh, Taylor Hall might look at this and say, you know what, I think two years is what I want with this group because in three years, this group might not even be here. And so I don't think Crecci, there's no chance he's here after two years, right? So he might just be um, trying to read the tea leaves and say, two years is what I want. So I could see that. Although six and a half is maybe a little too high, or high for me, but if that's what it takes to get it done, I you know, that's, what, that's the cost of doing business. Yeah, Tim, hey. you met – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Um, no,
0: I just was going to say, just you. Mark had asked you about our UFAs, what to do with them. Is there any? Are there any UFAs out there that you kind of have your eye on? You'd like to see the Bruins make a move for during the draft or in the offseason free agency.
3: You know, I haven't really looked at at the um, the list of players yet. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the two things that I that I would kind of do and how I attack this offseason is one, I kind of retool the entire bottom six. I, just, I mean, as much as you can, Charlie know that contract's not going anywhere. But I think um, it just they got exposed. They got outplayed by the Islanders. And I think that the bottom six is, re- is really neat. I mean, Dabrask is probably going to be gone. I don't see Corrali coming back. Wagner, I, I like him. I don't need him back. I like Lazar, though. He's a, he's a good player. And he's not as physical as, or as strong as some of the other guys in that group. But um, he might be one of the guys that does stick around. So I think addressing the bottom six, I'd love to see Trent Frederick solidify his place in that top 12. I think he's a really effective player. They're the Frederick Pike Club. I love it. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, and I know it's this is what they've said already is is a top pairing defenseman on the left hand side to play with McAvoy. I think Grizzlick and Carlo is a great second pairing. And Grizzlick's on the first pairing, he gets exposed a little bit, and we saw that in the series with the Islanders. Now those were kind of uncharacteristic turnovers that he does. He's not like he's making those yeah. plays all the time, but um, when the when the stakes are high or when everyone's elevating the game, you can just kind of see where that could go wrong. So, and I like the two of them together. I'd rather find another guy just a responsible, I don't need a ton of offense from this guy, but whoever it is playing along Charlie McAvoy, let him kind of take that next step offensively, I think is why he didn't get as many Norris votes. because you look about his, his W a R he's, he's, you know, tops in the league much better than Victor Hedman, for example, who was nominated. So I, I think he, the difference is is getting him some offensive points and letting him just skate a little bit more freely um, in terms of the, the power play and just have not having to worry as much. So almost like a, this isn't the right guy, but a David Savard type of player who's very responsible defensively. Who can shut down the other teams and let Charlie do his things on both sides of the puck. So I, those are kind of how I would, I would look at it, but I haven't really looked at the list of players yet.
2: Yeah. Um, talking about Patrice Bergeron a little while ago, uh, he said in his exit interviews that uh, i would like to talk about remaining <laughs> in Bruin on a year-by-year uh, contract negotiations. Do you feel the potential first ballot Hall of Famer might consider retiring sooner rather than later?
3: Oh God, I hope not. He's, he's probably my favorite Bruins or Boston athlete ever. And I include Tom Brady in that. Um, who's, you know, I love Tom Brady, but Patrice Bergeron is something else, man. And I'll tell you too, like, uh, hearing, was it, um, was it nearly a few weeks ago said he wanted to, this group wanted to go for one more go around. And I was kind of like disarmed by that. Cause you hear the, the one more time language and you're like, they're playing at such a high level, him and Marshawn and Krejci and those guys, but you forget how old they really are. I mean, Bergeron's 35. Marshawn's 33. Krejci's, what is he, 35, 34, yeah, I- something like that. So you forget how old they really are, and it's it's too bad because I, I really think they should have won at least one or two more during the stretch like we've, like we've talked about. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I do think Bergeron sticks around for a couple more years only because he's still playing at such a high level. He's really not showing any side of this slowing down. And he's got such a chemistry with his line mates. I don't know if we keep that perfection line forever. Um, but I just can't, I, I just don't see any signs of him, you know, wanting to go. All right. Um, and my question is Bergeron
0: related to uh, just like um, everything else, Bruins fans get irrational about things. So yesterday was how screwed Patrice Bergeron got for the Selkie. So I was just wondering your thoughts maybe on the Selkie. Mark and I talked about it a little bit about. Uh, I don't want to disrespect Barkov, but statistically, like, what? Just what do you think as a Bruins fan and just as a hockey, an NHL guy that, like you said, you know, you watch. You don't. know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I was disappointed too. I wanted him to get the next one because, especially because, like we said, he's getting older. You don't know if the nominations are going to keep coming. And right now, I think he's tied for the most Selkie ever. Right. So mm-hmm. one more would have placed him firmly at the top of that list. So as a Bruins fan, I wanted to see it. But even as an objective hockey fan, like if you look at the stats uh someone had a great tweet out yesterday i forget who it was but it it was like all the like the advanced analytics between bergeron and barkov and barkov had one out of the seven bergeron had the next six right so it's just like uh, this is this i don't want to call it politics but there's some there's some subjective analysis going on when it comes to handing out these awards in terms of the optics of it in terms of the next guy up in terms of whose turn is it that kind of thing and maybe they just had decided as a group that Bergeron had enough. It's time to promote some of the younger players in the league. I was surprised even, I I would have placed Mark Stone ahead of Barkov. I think he's just been an excellent player. And he kind of, he's got some highlight reel defensive two-way plays that in terms of forcing turnovers and and just grabbing the puck and turning it into offense at such a quick, you know, speed. I I don't know. I honestly would have had Barkov third. And it's really disappointing, of course, as a Bruins fan, not to see Bergeron get that one more.
2: Yeah, we're all on board then. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs>
2: um, all right, so Tim, this is the the post COVID era and so on, and now we're getting back to like a full season starting in in October um, with the the uh, second round playoff exit and a decent season for the Boston Bruins, but a lot of a lot of Bruins fans put uh, management at the highest level of of what the mistakes happened uh, in, in putting this team together. So do you happen to believe that Bruins general manager, Don Sweeney and team president Cam Neely's jobs can be in jeopardy. If the Bruins don't have a good draft free agency or upcoming regular season, both managing members have taken massive amounts of criticism lately.
3: Right. Cause of the, the, what, the 2015 when they <laughs> drafted those three guys and then Barzall, right? And then right yeah. after him was like Shabbat and Kyle Connor or something like that. It's just, it's so frustrating to see that. Um, so, yeah, I think that criticism is due. The problem with that, like to your question, is you. it takes a few years to really evaluate a draft, right? So, it, I mean, wh- what could they do with a draft that would hurt or affect their job this year? Probably very little, only because it's, it's hard to analyze that. Um, but I do think they they should be on the hot seat in terms of just, just this group is just it's the core. Like I said, the stakes are too high. And I I think it's really like I know GMs are always kind of playing that battle between preserving the future and building for the prospects, the picks and and kind of maintaining the long term uh, impact of this of their franchises and balancing that between the win now mentality and trying to get as many cups as possible. I think right now I want it to be like 90 to 100 percent win now. I trade trade who you have to go into cap health. if it takes it, you know, take those LTIR contracts, take those, you know, those tough, those tough contracts and just get this group one more cup. Like I, I will take 10 years of inadequacy and mediocrity in exchange for one more cup to see Bergeron and Marshawn and those guys lifted again. So um, I, I just, like I said, I keep saying the stakes are too high. The window's too small not to go all in. And, and I'm, I'm, I think most Bruins fans would agree with that they, they would take that t- trade as well.
0: Um, I had a question about the defense. I, I don't know why I seem to, I'm a defense kind of person. And I just wanted to know what your impressions were of like the defense. This short, you know, it was a shortened season. We've had some younger players have to bump up and, you know, through the, we had the two rounds, obviously you're, you saw it. We all saw it. Just like, what are your impressions on the back? And you alluded to like, we obviously need another top left D, but uh, what other changes do you, would you like to see the front offices make or try, you know, and draft for to fix this back end a little?
3: I actually like this defense um, only because it's something as simple as adding another top pairing guy changes everything, right? Because now all of a sudden Grizzly is playing second pairing middicks. And then Mike Riley, who I like too, is on the third pair if we bring him back. So I think a lot of those things, like it's not just one player that's impacting one line. It changes the whole look of the defense. So I think that's important to to keep in mind. Um, we saw how important Carlo was when he went down and how that changed that Islander series, oh, yeah. especially Barzal's performance. He was, he was shutting Barzall down and Barzall went off for like five goals in the remaining four games or whatever. So, um, I, I just wish he could stay on the ice and I, I'm, I just like him enough and I'm willing to be patient with that. I'm not willing to, some people are kind of saying, Hey, I like Carlo, but we need to get rid of him. He's just too much of a health risk. I, I, I disagree with that. I think he should be, um, he should be there. Um, I think Kevin Miller is probably going to end up being gone, just another guy who can't really stand on, on the ice. I like him a lot. We had him on the show. He's a great guy. He's been a great Bruin. Um, the problem is if you get rid of him, then who's your next oldest guy? I don't have that in front of me, but is anyone else older than 25 other than maybe – I mean, Connor Clifton. John he, he's John Moore. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. So, uh, drop? <laughs> so probably some some veteran guys, even if they're like their sixth, seventh defenseman, I think probably um, you can you can have them for cheaper than what you paid Kevin Miller for sure. I mean, I, I was in the crowd that would have brought Chowra back. So I, I think anyone like that, I mean, you, he's not really a guy you can replace. But then you got you gotta consider like the the Vegas not the Seattle expansion draft is something that like not enough people are really talking about right now because this roster could look a lot of differently, and there's nothing the Bruins could really do about it. And you know, like Lazan's a name that comes up a lot. Him and Jacob Zaboro is two guys that Seattle could be targeting, just young defensemen still on their rookie contracts. They're making under a million each. And and they there's some upside there. Lazan got exposed a couple of times, but overall I like his game, and I think he's a guy that is coachable into a very you know solid top six, if not top four position. So I think a lot of it will depend on what comes out of that Seattle draft, the expansion drafts. Um, but overall, I do like this defense. I think one or two pieces would help them, but I'm focusing more on the forwards if I'm uh, Don Sweeney.
2: Uh, Tim, do you believe that the Bruins have hit a crossroads with uh, forward Jake DeBrusk and your thoughts on protecting him for the upcoming Seattle <laughs> expansion draft for the purpose of trading him during the 2021 NHL draft with one year remaining on his current contract?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I, I don't really know how the the optics of that work, like in the rules. Can can we trade DeBrusk now or can we not trade him until after we protect him? How does I that think work? I
2: think you have to uh, protect him and then move him because uh, because it goes Seattle and then it goes the NHL draft. So yeah,
3: I, yeah, I, I would definitely protect him then because I think you can get something for him even if it's just a, a similar player who is struggling. But in the right, you know, sometimes all it takes is a change of scenery. And DeBrusse also kind of has. He had that great year, his second year, at twenty-seven goals, something like that, playing with Krejci. And uh, John talks about this on on the show, the Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you know, whatever the the situation with him, like he had a big year early on and GMs just hang on to that. They're like, man, if I can just get him in the right situation, the, the right line mates, I can have that again for a much cheaper cost. Same with uh, Max Domi. He had a couple of big years early on. He hasn't done much since, but he's still got that brand value because of what he did as, as a young player. I think to is probably in that category where he has just little, these little flashes of, of of really strong play. And you kind of, as it's, it's frustrating for Bruins fans, like what do we have to do to to get, you know, that consistently out of this guy and, You've seen him be benched, and he doesn't. You know he might be respond respond for a game that helps him, but he's not turning that into like long term production. Even when he's playing top six minutes with one of the best playmakers in the game, and David Krejci. So I, I do think you move on for him, but I, I would protect him just because I think they can get something for him, even if it is a Gale Chaniak or Max Domi type of player who who could also benefit from a, you know a fresh change of scenery.
2: And, and to add on to that real quick before Heather gets it to her question, um, Connor Green, a new writer at blackandgoldhockey.com, uh, had an article go live at noon today, Eastern time, about the possibility of Jake DeBras going home to Edmonton and, and switching um, maybe disgruntled players uh, one for one with Jesse Poliarvi. Thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I'd be open to it. I know that that was a rumor that came on uh, last off season too, and I don't know too ton about um, Poliabri's game. I know that his he's one of those guys that I've seen come up where he's had some big big moments, some big you know flashes of brilliance, and then not much in between. Uh, I know the um, Edmonton fans I've interacted with on Twitter are frustrated with him. It's another situation where he's playing with some of the best players in the world, arguably the two best players in the world. He's had he's had chances with both of those guys on his line and hasn't produced so. I'd be willing, you know, I'd be I'd be willing for it. Yeah. I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, you're not really going to get much worse than what DeBrusque has given you this year, especially when you consider that he took a two-year kind of gap contract, right? He he sort of bet on himself and he still couldn't deliver. So I just don't know if this boston's the place for him.
0: Um, well, we kind of talked a little bit about goaltending, but I wanted to ask your thoughts on the controversial <laughs> goaltending situation in Boston. If you're Don and Cam, what is there to be done with Tuca being a UFA slash it obviously having his surgery and will be out half the season. What, what are your thoughts on this very interesting, if not controversial situation? And if you're Don, what are you trying to do in the goaltending department?
3: Well, right. So he's going to be out to at least January. They said January, February. Right. So, yeah. and, I've heard people say they should build the uh, the Kucherov move. Just hold them out to the playoffs and bring them back. And then you can use that cap space for other places. But I don't, I, that's too risky. And I think honestly, the NHL will kind of have a lockdown on that. I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, but I would bring them back. And I think probably just go get a, um, uh, a veteran goaltender who who might catch fire. Like, look what Anton Kadobin did last year, two years ago. Like, he wasn't the he wasn't that. That's not what they signed, right? He just elevated, caught fire at the right time, and and that's kind of what you have to hope for, especially now that um, a lot of teams in the last few years have made deep cup runs without like a vezina quality goalie. They're able to do that just with having the right team in front of them have the goal. We make the saves he's supposed to make, right? So I, I think you do that, and and you give um, Swayman a real shot to give him like fifty percent of the games until Tuka comes back, just to see what he can do. Um, or at least give him the opportunity to, to do that. And if it performs well, keep him in the lineup. But I just uh, the the sample size is so small that people are excited about Swayman. But it happens all the time with guys. Just maybe not as often with goalies. But like remember when Stephen Camper came up ten years ago, we thought he was like the next All Star because he had a good couple of weeks as a rookie. We're like, man. We got we have, you know, the next Drew Doughty out there and he's just he's just not. And you get you get excited. The the nerves are up there. The adrenaline's going when you kind of make your debut and and it's, it, you think you have lightning in a bottle, but it's really not. And, and over time, it, the situation kind of returns to the mean. So I, I just don't want to kind of temper expectations on him. I like him. I think he's probably a good option for the future. But anyone who wants to get rid of Tuca and hand him the range is just really not paying attention, in my opinion. I, uh, okay.
2: K- K- kata hot is a perfect example of that
3: yes
0: i was say, <laughs> yes. I, guess, I guess just one more off question from that would you have played mm-hmm. this is another controversy would you have played swayman over tuca
3: no 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 no, I, me, I, no. i'm just
0: asking you know how the fan base goes. yeah
3: <laughs> yeah I, gosh no i don't think i would have even really could have considered it i mean I, yeah you could give tuca the, a short leash which i think they did we saw them get pulled but um, starting slamming over Tuca just doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. Okay,
0: again, check. We're all in together on this. We're all in agreement. <laughs> Go
2: ahead, Mark. Exactly. Good. that's I, that's actually it. If you don't, if do you have another one, Heather? Um,
0: I just had one more question. Just it, just going back to the podcast thing, I just w- wanted to ask you, like, what's been the most challenging and most rewarding part? Of helping produce a very popular, critically acclaimed, you know, I mean, I, I've i been listening since, you know, at least I can't remember a time you weren't on. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So <laughs> um what and how has it like changed your life? Like you like you said, this started as like, hey, running into John Scott just trying to meet him, and now you're
3: Tim from dropping the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um so most most challenging is probably just been, you know, as you guys probably know, with your your program and your whole platform, like growth isn't linear, right? There's a lot of, you know, down months, down quarters, whatever. You kind of think like, oh, man, we peaked a few months ago and that's it. Like, this is it for us and we're not going to grow again. And then it comes back up as long as you keep working. And the idea of, of success being a straight path is just it's just not true for most people. So I think um I, I can get reactive sometimes We're like we have an episode that doesn't do as strong as others and I'm trying to figure out why, or, you know, what, why didn't this month just not get as many as others. Right. Yeah. every, every All creators do. Right. Um, but over time you're like, man, like you see some ups and downs, but the growth is there. Right. And that's just part of really any business or any enterprise. So I think just the challenge is not to be too reactive to that kind of stuff. Um, and then that's probably the answer for rewarding too. Just seeing how it's gone from like John with a microphone in a, in, a, in an office just like his very first episode, if you go back to listen to it, 2020, 2018 summer, he was just like he had pretty much gone off the radar completely after the All Star thing. Like he had his his media for a couple months and all those interviews, and so then he just kind of disappeared and went back to the the quiet life that he was used to. And so his first episode was like, "Where have I been? And what have I been up to?" Um, and thinking about like him just not even really believing in it and and not really. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, no one's listening or whatever. And then to what it is now where, you know, the, the, the partnerships we're getting, the sponsorships, the listens, it's just so cool to be a part of. And I think in a lot of ways, we're just getting started with a lot of exciting announcements coming the next couple of weeks as the off season comes near. And um, we're just kind of leveling up in everything that we do. So it, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, we have our down moments and certainly we get frustrated at times, but it's just we love what we do and we're, we're not going to stop anytime soon.
2: That is Awesome. We've been listening to the awesome words of Tim Wurzberger, the the true star of the Droppin the Gloves Hockey podcast. <laughs> I'm just throwing a little jab at John cuz I, I I'm a bit we're, we're just huge fans and uh just want to thank you so much for the time today and and you. if you're you're a diehard Bruins fan. You can definitely hear it in your in your voice on the pod and definitely hear it with us and um we just really thank you for the time Tim. It's been awesome.
3: Thanks guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait to to listen to you guys. And
2: we actually can't wait to have you back on, uh, hopefully uh, soon, uh, as we get closer to the regular season, or even during the season, uh, as, the, as the games are going on, and get your uh, get your insight on uh, how you feel about this team, how it's been constructed, and where we're going further. So, Tim, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. And that was Tim Wurzberger from the Drop in the Gloves hockey podcast. And and he does a fantastic program, as as we did talk about with John Scott. Uh, That was awesome, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. I'm really excited. Um, We're big fans. Uh, We listen to probably way too many podcasts in our lives, a hockey podcast. But very early on in this, um, I enjoy the players podcast where you, like, you know, talking and listening to John and Tim. And so it's exciting, I think, as a fan and just as a Bruins fan to have Tim come in, share some time. Thank you so much. It's really, really awesome. It was fun. Please come back anytime you need a safe place. We're always here.
2: And like I said, like like we talked about, Tim's a huge Bruins fan. So you can follow um, the, the podcast on Twitter at Dropping the Gloves. You can also uh, subscribe to the program on several different worldwide platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. So we highly recommend that you do that and support their program because it is awesome. And they do like two programs a week, which is which is really cool. They're about 40, 30 minutes to 45-minute programs, and it's it's really cool. So anyway – We want to thank Tim and uh, maybe we can get John Scott on the program. Who knows? That'd be kind of cool and talk about his early days as a Bruins fan. And now he hates them.
1: (laughs) Well,
0: that may be hard. He's got a lot of, I know People that he's in charge of doubt. I,
2: I love how Tim days. said, uh, uh, Tim, uh, I mean, uh, that John went into like a quiet mode in his career. And it's like, how yeah. can you do that with five girls?
0: <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot going on. Exactly. hard, right, And uh, so shout out to uh, John and Danielle and the girls too. So thanks for sharing him with us today. Thanks exactly. Tim. For coming.
2: Up. It's really been I- Awesome. All right, we got to wrap this program up, but we do want to talk about our Patreon program and, and announce the winner t- this week of of the jersey giveaway. Um, let's do the weekly winner. Um, and by the way, please go to patreon.com/black and gold hockey podcast and you can win some fantastic jerseys every month, but every week we send out a Bruins related item whether it be a hand signed puck, a, a Bruins t-shirt from Fanatics or um, a hand-signed photo from uh, um, all fully authenticated and everything. So this week's weekly winner is Sharon Deet. Sharon's been a Patreon member for a long time. Truly appreciate your contribution, Sharon. She is a diehard hard Bruins fan. But this is gonna this is kind of cool because we were talking about it last night, and he's just a great person that shares all our stuff and and just a just a class act altogether. But the jersey winner. Of the Phil Esposito hand signed jersey, authenticated right there, is Eric Blackie, and uh, Eric's a longtime listener of our program, and uh, and he he's just a really class act, and um, super glad to be sending him this jersey this week. And I'm going to get caught up on some other Patreon members that won recently too. So uh, please go. It's just a dollar per episode. So we record four. We're probably going to do six. Who knows? It's a small investment, a $6 investment, $4 investment a month. But it, we take half of what you contribute. We pay some of the bills here to keep this program going. But the other half goes to buying all this stuff to give away. So it's a really good uh, program. Just to say thank you for your um, for your financial contributions but also your support of our black and gold uh productions sports media company so
0: thank you our patreon supporters and thank you to all our future patreon supporters well i i think we've had a great interview with tim i want to say as always please rate and review the black and gold hockey podcast share uh tell us good bad ugly who cares all press is good press thanks again to tim Follow all the writers, uh, blackandgoldhockey.com, blackandgoldhockey.com, all the awesomeness. We will be here for you throughout the summer and the offseason. We will always be here for content, good, bad, or ugly. No, I'm just kidding.
2: And and again, if you want to write for us, start a podcast with us or do a YouTube um, uh, 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 host of a Bruins-related program, please send me an email and a cover letter to LLC at gmail.com and talk to me. Let me know your thoughts about what you want to do to cover this Boston Bruins organization from the NHL down to the prospects of, around the world. We'd love to hear from you. We're a growing team. We have 25 to 30 members now, uh, but we're still trying to um, produce more content on a regular to uh, gain more uh, notoriety. So, uh, With that being said, I'm host Mark Allred. That is Heather Ingerson, and uh, we bid you a- adieu. And and want to say thank you very much for everybody. You guys are amazing people for what you guys do on a regular. Um, but um, please be healthy, safe, um, happy Father's Day, and um, and we'll be back next week with some more topics. We'll gather some more information that we get from this Boston Bruins on um, um, Twitter and uh, our own thoughts, and we'll put together another agenda for another program. We're not stopping this off season, so. This is your one-stop shop for uh, all Bruins talk. So with that being said, thank you very much, everybody. Peace out. Bye. Peace. Thanks
0: again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows help us keep the broodstock going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockey blog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at Black Peace
2: out.